Having your conversation good among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by the good works which they shall behold in you, glorify God in the day of visitation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. These words of the Prince of the Apostles, St. Peter, reminds us that it is oftentimes that people come to the knowledge of the true God and embrace the true faith through the good example of those that exhibit that faith. We see that particularly during the times of the Roman persecutions, when many of the people were brought to believe in Christ because they saw the fortitude, the courage, and the great charity of the Roman martyrs. Now, just as that gives a great example, and of course leads people to embrace the faith, there is something that turns people away from the faith, and as particularly the sin of scandal. Our Lord says in the Gospel, Woe to the world because of scandals, for it must needs be that scandals come. But nevertheless, woe to that man by whom the scandal cometh. So that we know clearly what we're speaking about, the Catechism of the Catholic Church defines scandal. It says, Scandal is an attitude or behavior which leads another to do evil. The person who gives scandal becomes his neighbor's tempter. He damages virtue and integrity. He may even draw his brother into spiritual death. Scandal is a grave offense if by deed or omission another is deliberately led into a grave offense. In other words, scandal is not something that's simply shocking or something that surprises us or makes us angry. Scandal is, in a certain way, the assassination of the soul of one's neighbor. Much like the bomb at the Boston Marathon many years ago blew up and it shredded all those around it. So likewise, with scandal, it doesn't cause a temporal loss of limb or life, but it spreads to all those around it and, of course, leads them towards eternal death. Now our Lord says, But he that shall scandalize one of these little ones that believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone should be hung about his neck, and that he should be drowned in the depths of the sea. The Catechism teaches us that scandal can be provoked by laws or institutions, by fashion or opinion. Therefore they are guilty of scandal, who establish laws or social, social structures leading to the decline of morals and the corruption of religious practice, or to social conditions that intentionally or not make Christian conduct and obedience to the commandments difficult or even impossible. This is also true of business leaders who make rules encouraging fraud, of teachers who provoke their pupils to anger and hatred towards certain groups of people, or manipulators of public opinion who turn it away from moral values. Anyone who uses the power at his disposal, in other words, his influence in society, his power of influence and persuasion, so anyone who uses such power at his disposal in such a way that it leads others to do wrong becomes guilty of scandal and the responsibility for the evil that he has directly or indirectly encouraged. Our Lord warns us in the Gospels, the Son of Man shall send his angels, and they shall gather out all of his, out of his kingdom all scandals, and them that work iniquity, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
It is particularly the sin of scandal that prevents the good news of the gospel to be spread and to be received by others. It's oftentimes the sinful behavior of Catholics, whether true, that is, those who honestly strive to be Catholic, or those in name only, who use their status of being Catholic or going to Catholic education or being, how do I say, raised Catholic, as a means to wield more influence upon others. So it is this sinful behavior that turns people away from the gospel. Much like the wicked sons of Heli that we read about in the first book of Kings, their unjust actions cause men to withdraw from the worship of God at the temple and to refuse to offer God's sacrifice because the way they comported themselves at the temple, taking away from the sacrifices that were being offered there, and so led people to disdain and even stay away from the temple. So likewise, these Catholics who, by their actions, basically drive people away from the true church. And of course, we can list a whole amount of people who would fall under that category from every different state of life. And of course, our present age suffers much from this sin of scandal. So what is, but of course, how do you say, on our part, we should strive not to be scandalized by them. That is, not to think it a means to excuse our own sinful behavior. Because, of course, with the sin of scandal, it's not just a question of the person giving scandal, who, of course, sins, but it's also on the part of the person who is scandalized, that is, who basically, by that bad example, gives them a reason. And, of course, they know it's no better that they're not supposed to commit sin. But because they see someone else doing that sin, they say, well, they do it, so why can't I? And so they let themselves be scandalized and, of course are led into evil. But of course, for that, we should ask ourselves, though, personally, have I caused scandal? Have I, other, have I led others into sin? Or has my sinful conduct brought others to reject the faith? Would it not be so, my dear faithful? For what shame is upon those who pray each day in the Our Father, hallowed be thy name, and yet violate and profane that name by their deeds and by whose fault God himself is blasphemed. They are like those rebuked by the Apostle St. Paul when he said, For the name of God through you is blaspheme among the Gentiles. For according to the sort of life and conduct led by those professing a particular religion, so precisely in the eyes of the multitude will be the opinion held of that religion and of its authors. Especially for those who do not know the faith, well, they're going to learn about it through people who profess that faith. And just like we find out about a group or an organization by the members, their actions, their words, and so forth, so likewise people will consider the Catholic Church not in view necessarily of what the Catholic Church is in itself and her teaching, but their perception of it through what our actions are, what, are, what we say, and so forth. So instead of causing bad example and leading people away from the true faith, we must act to the contrary, as says the Roman Catechism. Those, therefore, who, who live according to the dictates of the Christian religion, which they have embraced, and who regulate their prayers and actions by its precepts, furnish others with a powerful motive for greatly praising, honoring, and glorifying the name of our Heavenly Father. As for us, it is a duty which the Lord has imposed on us to lead others by shining deeds of virtue to praise and glorify the name of God. This is how he addresses us in the gospel. 
Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And the Prince of the Apostles says, Having your conversation good amongst the Gentiles, this is from today's epistle, that they may, by the, the good works which they shall behold in you, glorify God. Now, of course, this will exclude, and for it to be effective, it must exclude all hypocrisy. For Christ taught us not to appear holy, but to be truly holy. That means each day we must convert to the Lord. And the sacred liturgy invites us each day with that when it says, Sursum corda, lift up your hearts. That we truly have our hearts lifted up to God, desirous to do his holy will, to live by his grace, and of course to lead a holy life. Now, of course, these passages that we have from sacred scripture that we should be aligned to the world does not mean on one hand that we do things merely to be seen by others, which, of course, that's basically the route that leads towards hypocrisy. In other words, we're more concerned about others' opinion of us or how they esteem us and what we do as opposed to that we're doing good for goodness sake. And so we have to be clear that it's one thing that our actions can be seen by others. And it's another to do things only so that we're seen by others. And so we have to have a right intention in our actions that we do it out of charity, that is for love of God and also for love of our neighbor. And that if we have any creepings in of pride or arrogance entering into our intentions, that we quickly dash them out. Always being mindful that for anything good that we do, we could not be able to do it unless we were sustained by God's grace and aided by his powerful help. And that will lead us to be more humble because we acknowledge that it's not from our own power alone or any goodness that we may have because any goodness we have, well, it comes from God. It does not come from ourselves. We did not create it or make it so, but we receive it from God who is good and gracious and most loving. So let us strive to abide that, by that command with the love of God, and that's through loving him with our whole heart, our whole soul, our whole mind, our whole strength, and that also we love our neighbors as ourselves, that it leads us to do good actions and, of course, things that lead to a good example and draw others to the truth of our faith. It is a constant battle for us to love God with the entirety of our being and our neighbors as ourselves. But if we do, many will be brought to the truth of the true faith by the goodness of our charity and the beauty of our deeds. Then, like the martyrs in Roman times, our witness to Christ will ignite the fire of divine love in the hearts of those who encounter us, and they will have the beginnings of eternal life. So let us strive to dissipate any dark cloud of scandal that might be around us, and heed the words of St. Peter in today's epistle, having your conversation good among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by the good works which they behold in you, glorify God. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.